Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, and I'm here with Barry Trammell at Paycom Center. I think we're podcasting together for the first time since March of 2020. Probably 600 days. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Today was exactly 600 days since the last Thunder home game. Not March 11th, but March 3rd, actually, against the Clippers. Of course, that March 11th game was never played, so not counting that. Um, and, and Barry, like, after two really duds of games in Utah and in Houston, the Thunder still lost this one by 12, 115 to 103 to the Sixers. But it was far more competitive, and there was a lot more to get excited about. And I think it really starts with Josh Giddy. He was 8 of 13, um, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, did a little bit of everything, and he really got downhill. I wrote about his floater. Um, what did you see from Josh Giddy tonight? Well, I was thrilled. I actually been – that's one of the few things that made Wednesday night and Friday night bearable. I thought he was promising in those nights. He didn't do a ton of stuff, but he clearly was promising. But tonight he was promising and did a ton of stuff. So I thought he was one of the better players on the court, and the Sixers have a lot of good players. So that made that makes everything fabulous. Um, and I know it's early, but – he was great, and um, after the game, they even talked. I didn't even notice this, but said his defense was better tonight, and uh, he was involved in the two or three stretches of sort of exciting sprees in which the Thunder made runs, and um, he's making shots. What was he doing? He's uh, 8 of 13 shooting from the field, and, uh, you know, he's a stat stuffer. His feel around the rim sort of impressed me offensively. Yeah. Just like he was talking about how the first two games, he said he was like feeling frantic. He, you know, he's not the fastest moving guy on the floor, but he said he was trying to move too fast, getting ahead of himself in this game. He slowed things down. And I feel like that's always what we hear. It's like a cliche among rookies, but it made sense tonight. And it's like he's already adapting to NBA defenses. Like Joel Embiid is one of the best defensive players in the league. He's going to erase your shot if you get down there. So Josh Giddey's response to Joel Embiid playing a drop defense, meaning he, he basically just baits guys to the rim, drops back, tries to tries to block shots at the rim and giddy basically countered that by having a floater uh going pretty regularly and it looked it looked good i thought i I think that's going to be an interesting shot for him i liked everything about his offense he doesn't force stuff yeah in fact i want him to shoot more so he he has a good looking shot it's not doesn't i mean i realize his reputation is that he's not a very good shooter yet even as three, you think? But looks even good? the three, I, uh, the form and stuff, I think it's fine. I, I mean, I mean, uh, I'm sure a technician could could work on it, but it, you know, it's, just, it's just it's not one of those shots that you look at and say, yeah, eh, somebody needs to work fix that. So I liked everything about Giddy, and uh, he got hit hard there late in the game, minute or two left, and Embiid fouled him hard. Yeah. And he gets up, and that looked ugly for both guys. Yeah, it was not good, and he you know gets up, and Embiid pats him on the head, which is. No, it's <laughs> so funny just patting a guy yeah. on the, on and the head. Especially, I've seen it a lot with giants like Embiid and little guys. But Giddy six eight, he's not that much shorter than than Embiid. Um, although Embiid is an imposing figure, he's huge. he's one of the most imposing. Not just his height, he's he's thick. Another guy he didn't play tonight, but Andre Drummond yeah, Andre in person Drummond. is yeah, he, huge. He's, a, he's larger than life too. <laughs> yeah, it's he's bigger than a bread box. So uh, yeah, they got. 
know, that's sort of what good teams look like. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of big guys that are quick <laughs> and strong and talented. Yeah. So, uh, but no, it's, I thought it was a good night for with Giddy. Um, that's probably the second best development of the game, I would say, for the Thunder. Second best. Second best. Well, lead with the first. Uh, your good friend SGA came out of yeah. his uh, his uh, mini slump to start the season. Yeah, Shea was Shea was really good in this one. Let me pull up his stats. Nine of nineteen. Didn't shoot it good from three. He's really been bad from three through three games. He was one of six. Um, twenty nine points, eight assists, six rebounds. Like twenty nine, eight and six is the classic SGA line. That's just something we've gotten used to. Something like that. Um, but the number I think you'll probably like the most, Barry, because you talked about it on the last podcast, is he was 10 of 12 from the That's free right. throw line. He got to the foul line very well tonight and made most of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, missed two. Uh, I can live with 10 of 12. That's uh, 83% foul shooting. Yeah. So, I think he was at like 81% last year. So, so uh, yeah. So it, uh, And he did that without forcing things. I didn't see any of the frustration. Now, it was it – was, it was a developing situation because he, in the first quarter, he looked a lot like he did in Salt Lake mm-hmm. and in uh, Houston in terms of not being terribly involved. In fact, I remember like two minutes into the game, I saw him, the, the clock, the, 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 uh, the whistle blew with the ball on the Sixers end of the court. And everybody just sort of stopped. And I just looked up, gave me a chance to sort of survey. And mm-hmm. I noticed... Shea Gilgis Alexander is out there. And I thought, oh, yeah, he plays for the Thunder. I hadn't noticed the first two minutes. They literally run a bunch of offense without him. Um, so, uh, But the more the game went on, he really started looking like his old self. And he, and he hit a bunch of tough. You know, he's a great inside finisher type guy. He hit some – That's a, this is a big-time defense here. Yeah, Matisse Tybal, he was um, second-team all-defense last year just a superb defensive player and Shea um, had success against him I I thought it was a little interesting pregame I I always like um, when Doc Rivers comes to town because it's a great excuse to ask him about uh, just talking to him in general is great but asking him about Shea Gilgis Alexander because Rivers obviously coached him um, in SGA's rookie season with the Clippers and Basically, the theme of these first two games is that defenses are throwing everything at SGA because if you're, like like we've talked about, if you're playing against the Thunder, just take him out of the game and worry about everyone else. They're not going to beat you. And Doc was was pretty frank in saying, yeah, like, yeah, he's the target. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, but he seemed pretty confident in how Shea would handle it. Um, and I think it's going to be a big year for Shea because – He's probably not going to be as efficient as he was last season. But if he can get through this whole year and we still think he's, you know, a star at the end of it, it's going to be a big step. Yes, and my antenna is up for frustrating moments. I think I mentioned him to you the maybe after game one. But he's got the right disposition. Mm-hmm. He seems to be so low-key. He's Canadian, so you know <laughs> that it, just wonderful things. I, I don't, I don't want a team full of fifteen Canadians because that would get rid of people like Josh Giddy and you know whoever else on the teams from international Poku, whoever. Um, I like having a bunch of internationals. Probably wouldn't be enough hard fouls on an all Canadian. Yeah, probably team. not. Probably not. But uh, it's great that he's got sort of that 
Canadian mentality. I don't know if Canada actually gave it to him, but the stereotype is these guys are mm-hmm. they're pretty low key individuals, and he's low key in terms of he's not high maintenance, he's not high strung. That's going to serve him well as this Thunder rebuild occurs. Yep, he, he's not quite a Russell Westbrook personality, is uh, what no. you're saying. Uh, that would be somewhere <laughs> near the truth. <laughs> Um, Journey to the center of the truth. (laughs) Speaking of another Canadian, how about that defensive possession that uh, Lou Dort had on Furkan Korkmaz? If you don't know who Korkmaz (laughs) is, he's he's Furkan Korkmaz. He's a a sixer sharpshooter. I think he's been with the team since their dark days. Yeah, he's a a pretty good player. He's a product of the tanking. They found him during the tanking, sort of the way the Thunders found whoever they found in the last year this year. And he's he's a sharpshooter for these guys. He's uh, he needs a shave every time you see him. He looks like one of those Europeans that you know goes in at halftime, smokes a couple of cigarettes, <laughs> comes back out and makes a twenty nine footer with somebody in his face. And at some point, Luke Dort said, "I've had enough of this, and I'm going to ruin this guy's night." And everybody at the Sixers stood around and looking at Lou Dort like, "Hey, man, it's October." <laughs> It was like some of the most intense on-ball defense I've it ever was, seen. It was like they sped up. It's like if you've ever seen a video where everybody, somebody sped up the video, it was like twice the speed. And he's just going everywhere and you know grabbing. He, he had a great deal where he poked the ball from him and fought and fought and got it and fell on the ground. And then they let the Sixer guy jump on him and tie him up. So they had a jump ball. And this guy for the Sixers, I can't remember if it's Paul Reed or who it was, but somebody tall. So the Sixers win the tip. And here comes Dort again. He just goes right at it again. <laughs> if I'm Korkmaz, I'd be like, get the ball in anyone else's hands. You guys take it after <laughs> that jump ball. Somebody punted into the loud city. <laughs> get this guy off of me. But it's like, obviously Dort's motor is pretty much always on. He's always playing good defense. But that was even like a step above what we normally see. And he was saying it was like to basically send a message to his team, like, let's go. And, and Shay talked about how that kind of stuff was contagious. But I thought that was just like crazy. I mean, um, well, let's just transition in, in, into this because I thought that was one of the loudest moments of the night. This was obviously the first, the, the home opener for the Thunder. Like we said, first home game in 600 days. Barry, you've been at a lot of home openers. I, this one had to have had a different feel than, than you're used to for a game like this. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the – I was thinking walking in tonight, I said, this is very strange. For one thing, I'm not all that excited. You know, mm-hmm. the stigma of sitting through – I was in – I was in my Des Moines hotel room <laughs> Friday night, and we podcasted after the game. Um, full disclosure, <laughs> I would—I did not fully disclose on Friday night. It was a maybe I said something similar to this, but it was a miserable experience watching <laughs> that game. I actually fell asleep on the Thunder at one point and had to wake up and sort of gather myself and figure out what don't i sleep missed. on the thunder uh, yeah uh, don't sleep on the thunder well yeah, don't no, don't sleep before the game you're going to sleep on the thunder so you know you get your nap out but um so i wasn't looking that forward to it i knew the atmosphere would not be what i'm accustomed to because mm-hmm. when you think about it before the pandemic we had uh basically 11 really good to great thunder teams yeah and the only team that wasn't was the first year when everything was fabulous. Everyone's excited. Everybody's fired yeah. up. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't get 
you know, when they were getting beat 121 to 94 every night, you couldn't get a team of wild horses to run people out of this place. Yeah. So and then the next year they win 50 yeah, games so, and they're off. Yeah. So and then last year no fans. So we've really never, we've never really had a game in this building where the fans weren't super juiced. Yeah. And walking in, I thought I knew. Fans aren't super juiced. They're not going to be. And frankly, they weren't. Um, it had its moments, but mostly not. Uh, they did get fired about the Lou Dort thing. Uh, at the end, the, the Giddy foul, the Embiid foul, and then Giddy made, made the foul shots, makes a steal, hits a three-pointer. They got mm-hmm. fired up about that. But some other good runs. Yeah, there was a possession where it ended in a giddy three. He puts three fingers in the air, and they go they go nuts about that. But they went nuts for the half court shot, twenty thousand dollars the mid first bank Connor shot. Connor O'Malley, a student at uh, Southwestern Christian University um, in Bethany, hits the half court shot with one of the great shots of all time. <laughs> it goes off the backboard, caroms to the front rim, bounces back to the backboard, back to the front rim, to the back rim. And then, so. And you thought that was the loudest part of the night. I thought it was the loudest part of the night. Now, some people might mention the, you know, the Giddy Three or the Lou Dort thing, but I think I thought it was the loudest part of the night. And uh, but that's okay. Anything to get everybody juiced. Um, people are a little jaded. It's not as full. I mean, it's it's two thirds full basically. Yeah, official attendance was fourteen thousand two fifty six. There's just no way there was that many people actually in the in the seats you look up in into loud city which is still usually packed and there's almost whole rows without fans at the very top and as we're going to talk about like this is this is what a rebuild looks like this is what you know teams that are bad they don't draw well so we just don't know how the thunder is going to deal with it but I wish this was like a controlled setting where we could really see it because we don't know like how much of it is them being bad in the rebuild versus some people hating the vaccine mandates or the negative test requirements to get in. Or the social justice, you know, protests of a summer, you know, a year and a half ago now. I mean, that turned a lot of people off. Shouldn't, but it did. It was, it's just a, it's, it's just a uh, perfect storm. Yeah. Colliding to to make people stay away from the arena. Just the pandemic itself, which which put everybody at home for a while. Some people haven't gone back to stuff. I mean, yeah, the, j- j- people don't shop the way they used to. Yeah, they don't go out to eat. Uber Eats brings them their meals. Yeah, they don't go to church the way they there, used to. Yeah, there's two sides of the the COVID argument. Like some people aren't going because of the mandates. Some people aren't going because they still don't want to go out to places and, and, and do so stuff. So it's everything's changed, and it's really. I, I actually ran into a Thunder person during the game uh, at halftime. Was it Lou Dort? And it was not Lou Dort. He was uh, he was not out smoking a cigarette. He's from Canada. He's not from he's not from Columbia. But anyway, uh, this you know the guy said you know what it's just going to take time to build back, and it made me think it's very similar to the roster building. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want the roster makeover to go fast, but it's not going to. No, it's going to go at its own speed. It might go faster than. Depending on you know lottery luck and development, and all those things, 
it'll go a certain speed, but it's not going to be overnight. And getting the fan base back is not no. going to either. But the Thunder knows that, you know, whether it be three, four, five years from now, whenever they're contending for the playoffs or in the playoffs, they I think they're fairly confident that it's going to be a packed house again in that same environment is is going to be back and they're going to lose they're, they're going to gain back some of the people they lost during this time like people get i don't even want to get too deep into this but there's there's just so many stuff that i think both of us has heard as far as like concerns about relocating and stuff like that it's yeah, it's all silly yeah it's it's silly please talk about things you know about yeah i mean the the thunder ownership group is set up to where I mean, not even Clay Bennett could move the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, four guys on on nineteen percent of the of the franchise each, and then eight more or whatever it is, but several on the remaining twenty four percent. So you'd have to scrap together a fifty one percent, you know, majority of at least three people, mm-hmm. all of them Oklahomans, all of them in business. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. I mean, it's just it's not. not it's like happen. the Spurs. Also, move. if that was, if that was going to happen, it's like there'd be two to three teams relocating every few years. Like the the like Atlanta the, were the Hawks would have left Atlanta in about 1982. Yeah, the Timberwolves would be long gone by now. The the Kings would be long gone by now. Yeah, uh, yeah not yeah. It's it's, it's just silly. Quit, yeah. Okay, quit, 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 quit. I'm not saying you. I'm talking to fans. Please have a have a lick of sense. Yeah. We will also have a look of sense and move on from that discussion. Um, Barry Seth Curry was quite good in that first quarter. He had 23 points. The Thunder had 26 points in that first quarter. Um, he did not hit a shot until late in the fourth until quarter. Until he put the game away. Until basically. he hit the dagger. I mean, he had 23 <laughs> points in the first quarter. And then, frankly... Sort of the way it works for me these days. I sort of lost my focus and didn't really realize it until midway through the fourth quarter. He still had 23 points. He still got 23. <laughs> and I asked uh, Andrew Shrek. I think it's Andrew Shrek sitting next to me or Jerry Ramsey, who, whichever one. I said, Curry hadn't scored since the first quarter? And I said, no. Yeah. And he looked like Steph Curry in the first quarter. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. And here's the thing. Who else was it? Cormask the same way, but uh, somebody else too. But – Tobias Harris a time or two. But the Thunder, it's not like they – now, they got some open threes, but the Thunder was defending them fairly well. Yeah, Danny Green was three of Danny five. Danny Green hit to one. Niang was three of four from three. Oh, da- uh, Giddy, I think it was Giddy over in that far corner on the right, was all over Danny Green. I thought mm-hmm. he's just going to have to bounce it off the guy's leg or something to get out of this. Instead, he just launched up and threw up a three. That's Danny Green for yeah. you. So, yeah, that – that's a good team. That's a good team, if, by the way, the Sixers. Lo- yeah, they're a good team. And um, even without a guy named Ben Simmons that is out for personal reasons, you, you may have you may have heard about them <laughs> if you're following the NBA. Um, but the, the three ball was the difference in this one, really. If you just look at the, the box score, the Sixers were yeah. 17 of 41, 42%, and the Thunder was 26%. Yeah, it, Thunder's not a good three-point shooting team. Let's just be – Let's just tell it straight. But the Sixers are good. Um, they outscored the they outscored the Thunder fifty one to twenty four on three point shots. Do Do you think the Sixers say say a 
you know, Daryl Morey's right, and this <laughs> lasts for years. Let's just say it lasts through the end of this year. He doesn't play. Are they a top half team in the East, you think? Or t- top, I'll say top five, top five team yes. in the East. Yes, I do. Um, if Simmons is back playing the way he's capable, they, they could win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's possible this year. I don't think he's capable of doing that. Yeah. But that's still a good-looking roster there. With with Harris and um, they need Maxi to take a big step in yeah, year two. Well, yeah, but Curry gives them an, the element of shooting that's great, and um, they're versatile because of Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they'd be more versatile with Simmons, who can guard anybody on the court. And Embiid's a superstar. I mean, yeah. they got a superstar, and they do have a guy in Tybal who can really and guard they anyone got a on premium the premium defender in Tybal. And so I like their team a lot. Isaiah Joe, my but favorite Sixers player. I would like it better if and, and Shake Milton's a very good player. Yeah. An Owasso kid here from Oklahoma. He's out with yeah, an injury. He's out. But man. Andre Drummond, no. Nah. Yeah, he mean, Andre Drummond he, he, can produce. He would Here's be in the, the rotation. If him if Embiid's ever out, which he's going to be out, he's hurt all the time. But well, you, you can go like, like our guy Tony Bradley was last year for the Sixers <laughs> yeah, right. when Embiid was out. That's right, and <laughs> like, uh, only Andre Drummond's been on an All Star yeah, team. Yeah, and he'll go out there and get he'll go out there and get seventeen rebounds without even eyeballing it. So I think they got a lot of, but they definitely need Ben Simmons or something for him. Embiid had twenty two nine and six tonight. I think Embiid probably could have had 50 if he tried to against the Thunder just because, like, they started Derek Favors. The this, the center rotation is just – it's not crazy in the sense of what they're doing. It's just crazy to keep track of. You have Derek Favors start game one. Isaiah Roby starts game two. Isaiah Roby gets a DNP coach's decision tonight. Favors starts – I think Favors is going to start against the really big boys. Um, Almost has to. Yeah, because Roby and Jeremiah Robinson Earl can't really hang with them. But um, JRE did play 14 minutes. Mo- most notable from a minutes standpoint, well, sh- on one end, Lou Dort played 37 and Shea played 39, just huge workloads. And then Alexei Pokashevsky played seven minutes. Um which was lowest on the team among the guys that played. And Andrew Schlecht asked him, asked Mark Dagnall after the game about Poku's minutes. And one of the first things Mark Dagnall said is like, some, some guys are going to go to the blue soon or the blue's going to start soon. And then he sort of backed up and said, I'm not talking about Poku specifically, but we've got a lot of guys we're trying to rotate. Um, and they do like there, there's going to be, I think kind of drastic rotational changes night to night. Like Ty Drum didn't play tonight. The next game he could play 20 minutes. But they even mentioned the blue when someone asked about Poku's minutes, I think is a pretty telling sign. I, I Maybe I'm reading too much into it. What do you think, Barry? Yeah, I've not been pleased with Poku's progression. He looks the same kind of player he was a year ago. I haven't seen what I was hoping to see in terms of progression from him. The way we saw a Lou Dort out of the bubble, in the bubble mm-hmm. in Orlando, and then whenever the season started three months later, we saw four months later, we saw an even better player. We didn't, we hadn't seen that out of Poku. It's got me concerned. I think it's got the Thunder concerned. On the other hand, he's 17th pick. It's not like he's guaranteed to be a – he's not a bust if he doesn't make it. 
But I yeah, think it is weird how we think about him because his potential is so much higher than a normal 17th pick. And I think everyone can see that. And therefore, like the expectations seem higher. But like based on where he was picked, like like Trey Mann, if Trey Mann doesn't turn right. into a great player, people aren't going to be like, I don't know, well, up in arms about yeah, it. And it's like this. It's like uh, Giddy. Giddy's picked at six. He should be pretty good. I don't know if he should be this good, and maybe he won't be throughout the season. But Do you th- think he's a, their second best player already? No, I think Dort still is. Dort, let me tell you what. Every team in the NBA <laughs> now looking at the schedule, it's different from the old days. When they look at the schedule and they see they're coming to Oklahoma City or hosting the Thunder, they sort of naturally say, yeah, that's going to be it's not a night off but that's it's going to be a win and we can probably rest some guys and we're not going to have to have a you know a, a dog fight to get out of with a victory except for the people who have to deal with Lou Dort. Yeah, it's like these star guards can't just it's not a night off for them. They don't want any part of it. Like Donovan Mitchell in the first oh, game. Oh, great day. He doesn't want any part <laughs> of Lou Dort. Just cuz and it's not because of even lack of production or embarrassing most of it is He's just going to wear me out, and the whole season is about not getting worn yeah, out. Like getting mad that he's trying so hard. Yeah, please. I'll, <laughs> if I just give you the ball, will you take it and go to the other end of the court and leave me alone? I'll just give you the ball. So Dort's, I think, second best. But I thought you might have said Kenrich Williams. <laughs> Kenrich Williams is – You know what? Here, here, I thought By of the this way, time. I love Kenrich Williams. I do Williams. too. He's here, just a super solid player. Here's the deal. Tobias Harris is Kenrich Williams with athletic ability. It's going to take me a little bit to process that one. Ken, Tobias Harris is really good. Yeah, but Tobias, he's, he can, he can do a he's lot just of such stuff. a natural scorer, though, yeah. in ways that Kenrich Williams That's what I'm isn't. saying. But a lot of his natural scoring is because he can jump up over people mm-hmm. and he's strong. You know, Kenrich they also Williams. get paid vastly different amounts. Well, that and that's my point. But yeah. I mean, the athletic ability of Matt. That's the, no, that's what I'm saying. To even like compare them. Yeah, like, but I'm saying if he can do a lot of things, Kenrich Williams can guard about anybody reasonably well. Maybe not Joel Embiid, but they're very similar players in that they can do a whole lot, and you, their value, and they, you know, they commit to defense, they commit to effort. It's just that one of them is blessed with athletic ability and mm-hmm. can do all kinds of stuff that the other one can't just because of that reason. Most players in the NBA are blessed with – It's we're sort of not – or I'm, you're not doing it, I'm doing it – sort of knocking Kenrich Williams. He's not a great athlete mm-hmm. by NBA standards. It's a credit to his resolve and his drive and his – and his he, just will – will Kenny to, Hustle. Yeah, will, willingness to – to survive in the league if he had some increased athletic ability it's not so much talent or skill it's athletic ability he'd be a much more prized player yeah yeah i still i mean i I feel like we say this all the time but i think i i just can't um believe that he wouldn't be in 
maybe not every playoff rotation, but I really think he could help a contender, especially if there was an injury. Just his ability to guard multiple positions, to not make big mistakes offensively, to shoot the ball well. He's just he's just really well well rounded. So, um, by the way, my my first we we did these preseason predictions. Who who was your um, pick for first to be traded? I said Kenneth Williams. Okay, that's what that's why I thought. That's why yeah. that's why I led into it. Yeah, um, I said Kenneth Williams because I I agree with you. I think he can help teams. I said Ty Jerome, not feeling great about the pick because I think there's going to be some teams saying, well, if Ty Jerome's not getting on the floor for the Thunder, what are we really doing trading for him? But I said Jerome just because it's hard to find that good of a shooter. Yeah, and somebody might you know want. Are you surprised he's not playing more? Or playing, period? Uh, no. I don't think there's a long-term future for him. Um, I don't either, by the way. In, so in the NBA or with the Thunder? Probably. with. I mean, if you can't stand out with this Thunder team, I don't know who you're going to stand out for. But probably not in yeah. the league. Probably. Yeah. Um, it was a good did story show, last year. He did show that he could do some things. And it's all about opportunity. I just don't know. Yeah, if he'll get. I just think of that skill set, ball handling and shooting. Um, but yeah, he's not great defensively, and there, there's there's shortcomings. But um, South America is very upset that Gabby Deck. Um, yeah, is not. It's not he didn't play. do much for me. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, Aaron Wiggins does. It looks like he's been relegated to the bench, never going to get out of it. I'd play him. Well, he hasn't been active this whole Well, I might activate him (laughs) if I was running things. Him and Paul Watson. Yeah, I don't know anything about (laughs) Paul Watson. but Or Vit Vit, uh, Kretschy. Kretschy. He has played a little. I'd like to see him just because I like like Europeans. But Aaron Wiggins, I'm, I'm interested in seeing. We have not also, we also not have talked, Jeremiah Robinson Earl continues to impress. Now, he got bulldozed tonight. Wrong team. You know, they were. he's a minus 16 in 13 minutes. Uh, Tight Mal- tail Maladone for and the And Maladone, worst. same way. Um, it was a very quiet tail Maladone game. Maladone's another guy that hadn't really. Yeah, I think he's sort of getting past. He hasn't over really extinguished himself, dis- distinguished himself this season the way he did last year, and I don't know why. I guess people just sort of studied him a little bit and said, well, here's how you stop that guy. And mm-hmm. they just now everybody knows. But, yeah, J- I, I like JRE quite a bit. And I, I'm not like I'm not sure what he's going to become, if he's ever going to become a good NBA player. But what I've seen so far at 32, uh, at pick 32, he seems like a very suitable 30-second pick to take a chance on. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if he's going to ever help a good team. But I think he can. He's definitely helping this team. So, you you said uh, something I thought was interesting in our. We're, we're really into the weeds here, but but I sometimes you gotta you gotta talk about the back end of a roster on a bad team. You said um, before the press conference tonight that you like JRE better than Roby as a player. Yeah, I think I might disagree at this point. He's Long not as athletic. Roby's much more athletic. Yeah. They're about the same size. Roby's maybe a little bigger and more athletic. But it just looks to me like Robinson Earl knows how to play. Yeah. And he clearly can shoot better. He's got a little more size yeah, to he's him probably, as well. Yeah, probably put more girth. Yeah, he probably handles some of that. He just looks like he knows how to play. 
He looks like a Villanova guy. Yeah. So he's fired up. He had to be fired up. Villanova guy playing against the Sixers. They sent him in the game and say, hey, go cover Embiid. That <laughs> no. They, they literally, that's what they did. He was the first guy off the bench tonight, yeah, by the so way. Yeah, so I would think he had to be pretty fired up. And I thought he handled himself okay. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he's he's about the only guy out there keeping their three-point shooting from being awful. But um, and Mike, you know, Mike Muscala, Muscala shot the ball. was good again. If they're trying to win games, if they're trying to win games, Mike Muscala is <laughs> playing 30 minutes a night. Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala. They're playing hey, both of them, 30 in minutes all, in a all, night. In all seriousness, um, a guy we haven't seen start at center quite yet is Muscala. And, no, he's not a he's not going to be on, on the future of whenever the next good team is unless he just stick or, sticks around forever um, and stays on the end of the bench. But I think – so Robinson Earl has shown the ability to step out and shoot threes. I don't think opposing defenses know that or respect that yet. At they do point, respect yeah. Mike Muscala's three-point yeah, shooting. That's true. So if he's on, if he's in that starting lineup, couldn't that create a lot of? I know I'm not breaking news here, but couldn't that create a lot of space for SGA and Giddy to drive and just create a no little bit more? It. No doubt about it. Um, you know, Thunder person told us we mentioned. SGA and Al Horford were a great yeah. match last year, and this Thunder that said pick and roll, said, pick and pop. That is true. Muscala was even a better match with SGA. Yeah, so, they're like two man net ratings yeah, and stuff. So, were good, you know. But I mean, I don't want to keep saying this. Somebody get mad at me, but they're not trying to win. If they were, they'd exploit that much more exponentially than they are. They're doing other things. They're trying to find out if Robinson Earl or Isaiah Roby can can pl- play so you don't worry about the only thing i worry about is i want to keep sga flow fluent and flowing and in a good frame of mind so i'd run mescal out there some just to keep sort of sort of like greasing the wheels of, mm-hmm. of sga organizationally definitely they're not trying to win this roster was built to lose they're trying to get the best pick possible and the most losses possible gets you that um or at least being in the bottom three. But, like, Dagnalt's rotations tonight, and again, I don't want to read too much into rotations on game three, but at the end of the year, I know the roster looked different. Shea was out. But, like, Poku was starting and playing 30 minutes. Like, you could do more of that stuff. Like, you could play Poku more than seven minutes if you wanted to. Yeah, although – If you didn't care about being competitive, to be honest. I think it'll come around back to that some. But I do think they want they want to give Baisley a lot of minutes because they're I think they're trying to figure out Baisley's deal. Is he something you can trust? Frankly, he hasn't played. I thought he looked like he was a high effort guy. Yes, tonight. he was. He he's active. Yeah. He was active. Did some block shots or yeah, he had two block shots. He's trying to hang tough against Harris. In yeah, that and and uh, you know, Mark Dagnall pointed out. Lou Dort has the toughest assignment most nights. Baisley's second on that list because of the stretch four thing, and he's guarding guys like Tobias Harris who can do everything. And later this week he's going against Anthony Davis. Yeah, when Mark Dignall said that, I just thought, yeah, oh, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. We just, here came Embiid. Here came <laughs> now here comes LeBron and Anthony Davis. So Dort on LeBron is going to be fun, though. It's going to be fun. Basically, on Anthony Davis LeBron, might not be. LeBron's a not the kind of player 
to have a sprained ankle. You know, when he finds out Lou Dort's playing. Some people are that way. But there will be some players who just say, you know what, I'm just not playing tonight. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like when, when Randy Johnson was in his prime in the major leagues, you know, six foot ten left-hander throwing 101 miles an hour, and you couldn't even see the ball, much less hit it. Just Especially back left-hand. To the well, a lot of left-handers, you know, woke up with a migraine that day and said, I better, I better sit this one out. I better sit this one out. So there'll be a little bit of that, but LeBron's not that way. So I think we'll see LeBron on Wednesday night. Yeah, tough stretch coming up. Tuesday against the Warriors, Wednesday against the Lakers, and then they're off Thursday, Friday, then hit the road. Saturday they'll play at the Warriors, and then they have an L.A. stop against the Clippers and the Lakers. Like, they could start, oh, if there are three now, four or fives, like, oh, of oh, and eight at least or something like There's a Spurs game coming up in early November that's like the first winnable game when you look at the schedule. When's the next time they're going to be favored? Will they be favored when the Spurs come to town? Home against the Spurs will be interesting. I would say they wouldn't be favored, but I would say it's a Spurs by three maybe. I don't know. Do you think they'd be favored? No. They'll be favored home f- against like Orlando, Cleveland maybe. I don't know. Home against Houston? I don't know. Houston just destroyed them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, it's, 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 it's a situation. Well, Barry, it's good to be back. Good to be back here at Paycom, Paycom Center. Did you work Paycom Center into your story tonight? Sometimes I think I did. I think I said the, uh, the uh, building now known as Paycom Center because <laughs> I did a lot of reference. I don't like to call it Paycom Center if I'm talking about a game from 2014. Yeah, so, that is weird when guys are like, someone said, like, it's good to be back at Paycom Center. Yeah, and this it's is like, well, everybody's <laughs> first trip to Paycom Center. So <laughs> here's, you know what, let me tell you what that is. And this is inside baseball, but maybe our listeners like it. That's why you got to sort of know what you're doing when you're right. There's mm-hmm. ways to write around it, and there's ways to explain it where it's not cumbersome. Yeah. That's sort of what we do. People don't realize that's what we're doing, but in the same way, we have no idea how. The Thunder really guards the pick and roll. <laughs> you know, it's the same deal. Yeah. We sit here and pretend we do, but we don't. No. It's the same way I do all kinds of things in writing that just sort of come natural to me that most people don't even pick up on. But, you know, that's just what, what you got to do. But I'm not calling – I'm not going to say – The arena formally I'm not going to say the, 20, you know, the 2012 NBA Finals at Paycom Center. I'm not going to say that. It, it, yeah. It was a different name. Yeah, and it just that's why it just reads funny. Yeah, like, so everyone knows that it. There's is yeah, there's a way to, there's a way you can write around it. So that's what we'll do. Well, we will end it with that writing lesson. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast, and we will be back with you Tuesday night um, to recap uh, Thunder versus Warriors.